You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Wow, what powerful lyrics. Oh, that rugged cross where your love poured out over me, over us. My soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Let's invite you to stand up. I'd love to pray for us as we continue in the presence of God. Let's stand together. Oh, Lord, as part of your people on this planet, as part of your people in this city, as part of the, your people, uh, we come to you uh, as we have throughout history. And once again, we declare, oh, on that rugged cross where your love poured out over us, our soul cries out hallelujah, praise and honor to thee. Oh, Lord, today, uh, for many of us, the story, the words, uh, the big picture is very familiar to us. And we are grateful for that. And yet at the same time, oh God, we pray that you would once again reveal <laughs> both your greatness and also the depth of our need. And oh God, um, would you flood, uh, broaden our heart uh, a sense of your incredible justice and mercy and grace. And may we leave here transformed because you are present to us. And so guide us, come Holy Spirit, illuminate your word now. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. C.S. Lewis tells a story, and in the story, uh, there's a couple of kids that are seated beside a, a, a busy street, uh, and there's actually, there, there's all kinds of mud, and there's a mud puddle, and like kids, they have like one of those silver uh, pie tins, and they're making mud pies. And they're passing mud pies back and forth to each other. And then a person comes along and has a plate, and on this plate is a big hunk of steaming, warm, fresh apple pie. And on the side is a slab of ice cream. And the person says to the kids, would you like this pie? And the kids say, no, we're good. We'll stick to our mud pies. Adam and Eve said no to God. And you and I said no to God. Like we've heard in Isaiah, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have gone our own way. My story, your story, our story. Yet the story is not over. God pursues us with a sacrificial love. God pursues us and provides a way that we're able to say yes to him again. And that story takes us to another garden. Not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane. In that garden, Jesus says yes to God the Father, and his yes says 
changes everything. Let's hear again uh, the story of what we see happening in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll read from Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 45. Listen to the Word of God. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here a while while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In Jesus' account, in John's account, we see that this, this scene, the Garden of Gethsemane, is called a garden. And in Matthew's account, it's called Gethsemane, which means olive press. And so the setting is an olive orchard, garden-like in its beauty. And in that olive orchard was an olive press, Olive press is the place where olives are squeezed and pressed and crushed so that their juices pour out. And it's a powerful picture of foretelling of life, of Jesus' life about to be crushed and squeezed and pressed and poured out. To receive the full impact of, of what we're seeing here, we, we, we need to once again know exactly who Jesus is. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is fully and completely divine. He's the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God forever and ever and ever. And he is also fully man. He is fully human, yet without sin. There was a point in history where Jesus took on humanity, full humanity, yet without sin. That's what we just read there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. Let me just read that again. Who being in the very nature God, divine, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he laid that aside. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And be found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. In his full humanity, Jesus has feelings. He experiences all of life in a body, with a soul, and a spirit. He felt hungry, he felt thirsty, and he felt pain. Yet he was without sin. He lived dependent upon the Father by the strength of the Holy Spirit. He needed to make choices and to choose. In the temptation story earlier in the Gospels, when Jesus is led out into the desert and tempted, he was truly tempted. And in that moment, he needed to make choices. And he decided to go. He chose to go the Father's way. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he once again needed to make a choice. The pathway before him was to walk towards the cross and all, and all that that would include. And he was faced with a very human choice. He needed to choose. So with that in mind, let's, let's go back into that story of what we see happening in the Olive Garden. Uh, in context, Jesus had just had the Passover meal. We're going to have the Lord's Supper uh, a little bit, in a little bit. And that's a reminder of what happened in the upper room. So Jesus spent that last night with those whom he loved. And then he predicted that all of them actually would betray him. And then he left and he went to this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to spend time with his father and to pray. And he invited some of his closest friends to go along with him. You know, like us, when we are in tremendously difficult times, we don't want to be alone. We want to have people with us. We want to pray. We, want, we desire to have people pray for us. And Jesus wanted that. In verse 37 and 38 we read, He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Notice those descriptions there. Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay with me. Watch with me. That little word, overwhelmed, my soul is overwhelmed, is this picture of this, this small container that's just flowing over. So we could imagine standing in a tropical rain with the rain just blasting down, and we have this little cup, and this little cup is just flowing over, can't contain all that's happening. And we identify with times in our life where we, our circumstances have been so difficult, so difficult that our soul breaks, feels like we're just completely overwhelmed. In that moment, Jesus was experiencing that. Jesus says, watch with me. He says that to his friends. And that word watch was all often used of what a a sentry, what a guard would do when they were commissioned to walk the walls of a city at night. They were to watch. And so the picture was, there's danger out there, there's enemy, and you need to be awake. You need to do your role in protection. And so Jesus was inviting his friends to watch with him. 
Then Jesus goes by himself to be with the Father. And we read in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. Do you notice the drama? Here's Jesus, our Lord Jesus, falls with his face to the ground. In Luke's account, we read that at this point or during this time, like drops of blood poured out of him, actually blood pouring out of him. Apparently, this is a medical condition called hematidrosis, sweating of blood. It happens under great emotional stress. Tiny capillaries in the sweat glands break, mixing blood and sweat. And they're often a part of uh, extreme weakness and shock. And Jesus, the Son of God, pours his heart out to the Father. He prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The cup, this cup be taken from me. In the, in the Old Testament, the cup was often what the, the circumstances and the things that God had brought along. And in this, this scene, we have, in reality, that cup is for you and I. It's the consequences of our sin and our brokenness and our rebellion and the way of God is to take that from us. And for Jesus, the eternal Son of God, to drink that in our place in his full humanity. Here, taking the cup meant that the cup was taken from us. And like we've just read in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us have turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In this moment, Jesus began to experience the impact of not just the horror of crucifixion, not just the horror of more torture and mocking, but the growing magnitude of the weight of sin and rebellion and brokenness for every single human being. It came crashing down. Jesus is not a coward. In this moment, he's being real. He's being fully human. He's truly our Savior and the source of life because in his point of extreme difficulty, he lived the life the way God invites us to. He truly felt his feelings. Like the Psalms, he poured out to his Father exactly what he was feeling in that moment. He brought his desires to Father and he said, if there's any other way, he names it. He gets it out in the open. And he trusted. He said, not as I will, but as you will. In the moment of Jesus' greatest temptation, Jesus chose to not go his own way and to deny the Father. Rather, he chose to submit and to say yes, and to accept the fact that 
God is good and trustworthy. He wrestled to say yes. He prayed to receive strength. And he says yes, not my will, but your will be done. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve wrestled with God and they said no. No, we'll go our own way. You and I wrestled with God and we wrestle with God to say yes. Most of the time we say no. God entered in the fullness of our brokenness. And though we have said no to God many times, Jesus says yes to the Father, which leads to his death, which leads to our life. What a story. That's the story that's true, that we remember, that we enter into today. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So Jesus, having said yes to the Father, now begins to walk the pathway to the cross. So let's continue to to listen to the story of scriptures as Jesus walks with the cross. And let's just see and enter into that story and watch as we hear what's happening. John chapter 19, verses 16 through 24 and 28. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled that said, They divided his clothes among them, and they cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. 
The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. When they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Later. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes with about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in that garden was a tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. <laughs> 